And did you ever feel like you had to choose between her and the kids? Always. I mean, I told her too. I mean, there were some arguments that got really down to the nitty gritty. And and I said, if you want me to choose between you and the kids, you know what the answer is going to be. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 131 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. 131 reasons. I'm doing good. I'm doing better with the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Before I forget, the winner of the Sylvia Crack Hour Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship this week is... Drum roll, David. <laughs> Jay Littleton. Woo! Congratulations, Jay Littleton. Look for an email from Nacho Kids and we will get you set up. All right. David, I don't know if you remember us talking about this, but last week we had Stepmom Paula. Mm-hmm. This week we have her husband, right? Yes, we have her husband, Robert. See, I remember some things. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I am too, honestly. Well, I do want to say, I forgot to ask him during the interview, I know, shocker, that I forgot something, how he felt when Paula started nachoing. And he said he felt betrayed because the children whose mother completely abandoned them needed someone who can be there for them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a challenge. But I wonder why he didn't feel like he could be the one there for them. Well, now I'm speaking for him. I'm guessing that... He felt that he could in some ways, but that they still needed that motherly figure. Mm-hmm. You're going to make me have to do another podcast with him and you talk to him. <laughs> of course, well, after you finish the podcast, you start thinking, oh, crap, I should have asked this and I should have asked that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're probably right. He probably felt like there needed to be that additional you know, side of things. And, and not that that's wrong by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not easy to just bring somebody in and say, you're going to be the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to fulfill a role that you didn't know was there because I know that it needs to be done. And, you know, it's not like I could tell you that on a date. Hey, <laughs> my kids need somebody to fill in since their mom is, you know, not there. You good with that? <laughs> Can't you see your first date? And you're talking to this person that you just met, and you say, well, you know, I am looking for a relationship, but I'm also looking for a mom for my kids mm-hmm. or a dad for my kids. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I think most people go out of their way to say the opposite. Yes. You know, it's like, I just want you to know I don't need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ain't looking for no daddy for my kid. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. I wasn't looking for a daddy for Jackson. Mm-mm. But I also knew that whoever he was around most of the time, since I had full custody, would be a big influence on him. He was looking for a sugar daddy. No. <laughs> David, you had four kids. There wasn't no sugar in that daddy. You ain't going to laugh or nothing? I am laughing. You don't hear me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't hear you. Uh, I lost my breath laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But seriously, I knew that whoever was going to be around Jackson needed to be a good influence on him. And so, of course, I didn't want just a piece of crap. (laughs) So you gave up and married me? 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I got tired of trying. <laughs> you know, it's oh, he ain't too bad. Pick him. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. If it don't I'm, work, we'll always get divorced. I'm glad you you settled. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too, David. I'm so glad I settled for you. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I did not settle for you. I'm glad you had low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time to change the subject, apparently. <laughs> Again. So we have finished Thanksgiving last week. I don't know. I don't think I've finished it yet. Still in a food coma. We ate way too much. Way too much. But when this releases, it will be December. Mm. Then it'd be time to do all these parties and eat, eat tons more stuff again. I know. I was looking at our calendar and we have no free time. Oh, I know. I was telling people in October, you better get stuff booked because I'm <laughs> my time's running out quickly. So, David, I've been trying to think of what to get you for Christmas. and I've already ordered it. What? I've already ordered what you're getting me for Christmas. Uh-uh, you can't do that. Well, you do it every year. It don't matter what I do. We don't play Goose Gander. Well, what are we playing? Lori does what she wants to, and David <laughs> follows the rules. <laughs> Duh. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see the rules of the game. How long have we been married again? 120 years. Well, then you need to bust out your marriage book again. All right, so what, what are you getting me for Christmas then? Nothing. Okay. But that was easy. You got the Star Wars shotgun or whatever for our anniversary. That's enough for Christmas, too. Wait a minute. How what? does that work? Uh, Because I didn't get nothing for our anniversary. You did. You said you didn't want anything. So how did I get something then? I got you something. I just can't remember what it was right off. No, you didn't because I didn't order me anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, you're in the hole. No, wait a minute. I got you a new refrigerator. And David. New, and... <laughs> And a new no. new flooring no. in the kitchen. No. Yep. Okay. Yep. You got to pick it all out. So, David, you're getting coal from Santa. I have already placed that order. <laughs> for those that don't know, you can order coal for Christmas. Really? Mm-hmm. We got plenty of that in the yard. <laughs> all right. So, let's talk about our guest a few more seconds before we bore these people to death with what you're not buying me for Christmas because you're a bad husband. You said you didn't want anything for Christmas. I ain't figured out what I'm going to get yet. See, exactly. I'm waiting for the sale on the Freebird website. <laughs> oh, gosh. It See, might it's, be after Christmas. It's, I ask you, like, what do you want for Christmas? You go, oh, nothing, darling. But I know. I know what's happening. Okay. What you're saying. knows that's a lie. I don't no, say nothing, darling. Okay. You just said nothing. Yeah. I don't want anything, which I know is code word for don't you dare buy me something. I'll buy what I want. <laughs> well, I did find a pair of shoes I wanted, but they were out of my size. Good. No, not good. You don't need shoes. You don't need to tell me what I need. You walk around in the... Shh, shh. David, you hear that silence? (laughs) It's like silent night. (laughs) Such a beautiful song. (laughs) All right. So, Robert, our guest today, for those of you that did not listen to the podcast last week with Robert's wife, Paula, you can do so. It's episode 130, but I will give you a little bit of backstory. If you haven't listened to that episode, they've been blending for seven years, married for three, and Robert has 10 bio kids. Mm. That's the same sound you made when I said it with Paula, David. (laughs) It still hurts me. (laughs) I know. I still can't get over it. (laughs) He had been married twice, 
First marriage resulted in three kids. Second marriage resulted in seven kids. Yeah, I wonder what it was like him going on vacation. Because I know with me having four kids, if I got into the pool, all the women got out. It's like, David, what? Are you serious? Are you making jokes? I'm serious. Like they were scared to death. Like, I don't know what's in the water, but it ain't ain't touching me. Mm -mm, No. Were you running around naked? No, but that's how crazy you women are. Oh. (laughs) Okay. We get to hear things from Robert's perspective, which is great. We hear a lot from the stepmom's perspective, but now we get to hear from the bio dad's perspective. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What you laughing at? David is full of words, y'all. Full of words. Better than what you said I was full of earlier. Here's a kicker, too. Paula is 19 years younger than him. Oh, Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm. Don't be scared, David. You go, Robert. There you go. I was waiting for that. (laughs) A delayed reaction. I had to get your permission. And not surprisingly, things started to change when they moved into the house that Paula had bought. Surprise. David, tell us why it's that way with anything. Because it was her house and they had to go by her rules. Anytime there is a major event in a blend, whether it's an hour's child being born, moving into a different home, even people retiring, it often tends to reset the blend. So the stepmom was being unreasonable is what you're saying. David. (laughs) All right, y'all. I'm done with him. (laughs) I'm done. So... Y'all do what you got to do. Keep listening because it gets better because David quits talking. (laughs) David, do your spiel. All right. But first, here's a word about the Academy. (laughs) There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have an awesome man on our podcast, Robert. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good. How about you, Lori? Excited to be here. Good. So glad to have you. We have requests constantly, put more men on there, put more men. I'm glad that you decided to do this. And your wife was actually a guest on our podcast recently. Yes, she's been following Nacho Kids for, I think, half a year now or so. It's going to be good to hear your side of things. Always. Is she there monitoring your call? No, no. She's getting ready to go to work. (laughs) I know a lot of people... Will say well, she's sitting here listening to me. I can't tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did tell her. I said, you know, there might be things I say on here that you're not going to like. <laughs> so I I preface it. It's like on Family Feud when they'll say, "We asked a hundred men, what could your wife do to be better <laughs> yeah. in like the sex department?" And the men are they'll answer and they'll say, "Oh, but I'm not talking about my wife." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. How long have y'all been blending? We've been blending for seven years, almost seven and a half years, actually. Okay. And how many bio kids do you have, Robert? Well, I have 10 bio kids. And my reaction is going to be the same as when she told me that. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. I'm, I'm married twice. I have three children from my first marriage, seven children from my second marriage. All biological. All biological. Yes. That's true. 10 kids. Correct. And when Paul and I met 
in 2000, well, we met 2010 when she came more into our lives. I was raising the seven boys by myself. Wow. Yeah. How often are they with you? I mean, I know some of them are older now, but yeah. do they visit their mom? Well, the the old the oldest three, they have a great relationship with their with their mom and, and they're 40, 36, and 34. So they're adults and doing their thing and uh doing relatively well. Mm-hmm. But the seven that I have with my second wife have not communicated with her or at least had any contact both ways for probably two or three years now. That is so sad. Yeah, it's a difficult situation that their mom has what undiagnosed bipolar type tendency. So that that adds to what goes on there. Right. Does she live close to y'all? She lives about two hours away. Okay. So they don't run into her in town or anything like that. No, that, that would not be something that would probably not happen. Correct. She doesn't even call to check on them or anything? She doesn't typically. Usually one of the seven will reach out to her near maybe her birthday or something, but it's no reciprocal calling back. Wow. That has got to be so hard on your kids. Yes, it, it manifests itself in different ways and part of the challenge with Paula is that abandonment issue that they faced still face and how it affects their relationship with Paula. Right. I think we talked with Paula about how she can be viewed to them as a reminder that their mom's not there. Yes. I, I agree with that. And I think well, as we talk, they're pulling away from Paula, which has been happening, is related to not getting too close because the first mother figure in her life checked out and they can't get too close with Paula because she's going to check out. Right. And so they sort of put that wall up. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, it is. And it's it's hard not to have them react that way and even though i've had them through therapy it's still it's still underlying always there yeah it's it's never going to go away and what's what's sad is graduations they're going to be wishing their mom was there when they get married when their first child all the stuff that she's not going to be there and hopefully they will embrace Paula being there and it not be so much of a reminder that mom's not there. Yeah. I feel that well, Paula's been consistently here, of course, for the whole time period and has done a lot of things for the family to get us in a different stage of life. And they, I think realize that, but still are very guarded with, their relationship with her. Right. Well, think about it. Relationships that we've been in where, say, for instance, I was cheated on. Well, I'm a lot more cautious in the next relationship, and I have that wall up to protect myself from getting hurt again. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. I just realized out of all 10 kids, you have one girl. (laughs) 
That's true. She's second oldest. Everybody asks, were you trying for a girl? But no. And she, I just found out, just a side note, she is uh, pregnant. It's going to have a baby next June. So I'm excited. Oh, that is so exciting. Will that be your first grandbaby? No, I have two granddaughters. One granddaughter who's six now from my son, Gunther, who had her at a very young age of 16. Okay. He and his girlfriend were trying to make that work for a year. And in the end, both of them were not in the place they could. So they ended up doing an open adoption. Oh, okay. So that's difficult. Yeah. And then my son, Noah, who's the oldest of the, of the seven, let's put it that way. He had my second granddaughter. He'll be, she'll be four years old this November. Okay. So this will be my third grandchild. So the oldest grandchild, do you still have a relationship with her? No, it's been difficult. I, I've had pictures sent, some updates, but Gunther, which is the father, has not really been in, as involved as I'd like him to be. So it's been difficult to keep that communication open. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so hard when basically kids have kids. Yes. And, you know, we don't know what's going through his head. He could think it's better for the child if I'm not involved. It's hard for me to see the child because it's just a reminder of what happened and I'm not able to take care of her or we weren't able to stay together. I mean, there's a lot that goes with that. Yeah, I'm sure that's what goes through his head. He was really a very involved father during the first year or two, doing as much as he can. So I'm sure... It's painful for him, but he, because of different things that he struggled with, in the end knew that he wasn't able to support her. And as much as difficult as it's been for me to accept that, it's probably the best for his daughter. Did you ever consider helping him keep the child? No. It's, well, partly because at the same time, I was still raising that time probably five in the house and 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 um i work a lot of hours therefore it would have been a, a huge struggle to do that i did not right and this was before paula came into the picture right sort of the same time and, and where paul and i were going we weren't sure exactly how it was going to work out there wasn't a definite support and i was doing everything that would have been too much on my plate Right. Yeah. That's got to be such a hard thing for everybody. I can see where you would want to have a relationship with your granddaughter, but with it being an open adoption, it's going to be kind of hard if the dad's not involved because he's kind of the link between y'all two. That's it. That's exactly right. He is the link. And when that link isn't as strong as it could be, or I think in the last year it's gotten even worse, it's, it's difficult. Just out of curiosity, would you feel comfortable talking to the adoptive parents and telling them that you would want to see her occasionally? Yeah, I would feel comfortable. Yeah, I would. I would feel comfortable. I think I could reach out to them. Yeah. I would encourage you to reach out to them to see your granddaughter because, first of all, the fact that you still include her as your granddaughter says a lot. Yeah, it was uh, difficult. 
getting to be so close to her and then watching her not be able to be as involved in my life as I'd like to be. Yeah, I bet it ripped your heart out. Yes. So I can imagine how my son Gunther probably thinks about it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't know what the future holds. So hopefully he'll be able to realize that he has that opportunity to still be a part of her life in some way that that might help him heal also. Yeah, that's what I hope also. Yeah. So if you've got 10 kids, if each one of them has two kids, you're going to have 20 grandkids. A lot of people that I meet, because I meet a fair amount of people in my profession, I'm a finance manager at an auto dealership, and I have pictures in my office with kids everywhere. And many people say that, oh, you're going to have 20, 30 grandchildren. But my oldest children, except for Megan now, she finally is going to have a child, have no partners. So I think, well, they're never going to have children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the 40-year-old has the four-year-old, right? No, no. He's the oldest of the first three. My 26-year-old, which is Noah, he's the oldest of the seven. So that's how I sort of separate in my head. I have the the first three. He's the oldest of the seven. He's the one who gave uh, the grandchild four years ago at a fairly young age too. But he's he's managed to work it out. Even though recently he and his the bio mom have uh, separated, and that sucks too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's sort of fresh. It happened last March, and uh, he's struggling with it, but doing the best he can, and we're trying to work out, as you know, visitation and. Who gets her when? And I've been through that. Of course, I've been divorced twice. So, yeah. Yeah. So you've got a lot of experience. Yeah. So he comes to me for advice and I do the best I can. But as you know, there is, there is no easy way to get through that process. No. And the court system does not help in any way, shape or form. No, it's actually, I think, very caustic and abrasive. It is. It definitely is. And we have to remember the attorneys aren't our friends. They have a job to do and they make a living off how much money they can get out of us. Yes. And I've been in the court system, golly, 16 years because my son's father just likes to go to court, I guess. And yeah. And I've had a few different attorneys and out of the ones I've had, there was one that I, honest to God, felt like he was fighting for me. Mm, Right. And I will hold on to him for dear life. Unfortunately, the last time I had to go to court, he wasn't in town. And I didn't know when he was coming back in town because his secretary was not the best. And Mm. (laughs) anyway, (laughs) I regret not waiting for him to come back because, yeah, let's just Mm. say I've learned that there's a reason lawyers and no pun intended with your job, car salesmen have a bad rap. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yeah, but you're not a car salesman. You're the finance guy. I'm the finance guy, so I'm I'm a a slight notch above that. (laughs) Yes. I'm still shocked at the number of kids. I'm sorry, I can't get off that. When Paula came into the picture, and she has no kids. Correct. Are you thinking, this woman is crazy? (laughs) Well, when we met, we first met in 2010, we both used to be 
don't know if she told you, into natural bodybuilding. And I met her at the Gold's Gym nearby. She was getting ready to do her first show, and so was I. And we sort of worked out together a little bit, but she had a boyfriend. She was also 19 years younger than me, and life went on. And as things progressed, and then she broke up with uh, that boyfriend, we started doing more things together as far as working out. And then she would offer to sometimes take care of my boys because she knew I was raising them by myself. Mm -hmm. Just as maybe an overnight and I would get a break because literally I had them all the time. There was there was no giving them to the mom. Right. And we went on a well I call it our first date, but she she disputes that. <laughs> we went <laughs> We went on a, a river cruise here locally, a little pa a paddle boat, but it, it was a wine and cheese night or something like that. And I talked with her about the past and their mom and things. And she has a behavioral and mental health background because she worked with autistic children and, and adults with uh, challenges mentally. And I knew that she had skills that way to understand kids behavior and and help them out mm -hmm. but at the same token i also knew that seven kids was overwhelming most of the babysitters that i had over the years because i would get them now and then i'd always say you know it's seven boys and some of them are older some are younger but they are very very energetic mm -hmm. they're boys sure you can handle <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. And I said, Are you sure you can handle it? Yes, Mr. Bonso, I can handle it. And most of them would last two weeks, maybe three, and then they could not do it anymore. And I'm I'm not blaming them because my boys are a handful and a couple of them uh, now and then would disrespect, which of course I'd put them in line, but they would say things like, You're not my mom, I'm not gonna listen to you. Mm -hmm. When Paula came into the fold. Yeah, I thought of that because I, I, my intention was I was not going to have a relationship with a woman until Caleb would be out of the house, which would, which would make me 63 at the time I was 50. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> because I knew there's probably nobody in the world who would hang around. It'd be impossible. And would it confuse the kids if that woman left? Right. But it, it seemed that Paula would fit into into this. And whenever she had them over to her house or she was around them, it went very well. And I thought she had the fortitude to, to handle it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the beginning, they couldn't get enough of her because they were starving for the attention mm -hmm. from a, a female figure because all they had was me. I was working a lot. It was hard for me to split my attention seven ways. Even if you weren't working. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think that the kid to teacher ratio in daycare is what one for every six kids. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And when she would come over at first, she was not even really a girlfriend in their eyes. She was a friend. And they would gather around her 
and they would massage her feet and give her a back massage. And Caleb would talk about her beautiful golden hair, like she was a princess kind of thing. And, and uh, it worked very well. And I we decided to, you know, move in together. Or she'll tell you. One day I went to her house, and I just started moving her stuff over my house. That's her story. Mm-hmm. She came into a situation where it was really, really difficult because at the time, two of my boys were smoking marijuana in my house and not going to school, getting in trouble. And we were trying to work with domestic relations, which is the only resource you have in that case to try to get Gunther on their straight and narrow path. Then because she has so much background into how to handle that and who to call and what to do, we did the best we could. But this is the first two years we're together was nothing but chaos back and forth. And she, she didn't run away. She stayed there. <laughs> That's amazing. I would have ran. Yes, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know people thought I was crazy for marrying a guy that had four kids. So I know that she had people tell her, are you crazy? Oh, yeah. And we lived, I, I was renting a home in the city where we lived. And there was only, well, there was two bathrooms. But the main bathroom, which is the one everyone want to use, was, was shared by seven boys, myself and Paula. And the bathroom door wouldn't lock properly. So you, <laughs> you can imagine her challenges going in that bathroom with seven boys who aren't the, the best aimers or best clean it up kind of boys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I was thinking more privacy, but then when you said that, yeah. oh my gosh, it made me think of a truck stop. <laughs> oh yeah. At times it could be that way. And she helped me institute, although I always have my boys do chores to pull their weight, she helped me focus a better system to help make sure that they all pitch in and keep the house as clean and organized as possible, considering all the bodies that went through there every day. Yeah, when you've got that many kids, it's very hard to keep things neat, we'll say. I remember... I was used to my house. There was not shoes everywhere. There were, weren't book bags everywhere. I mean, it was neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. But when David and I got married and I moved in here with his four kids coming in from school, oh my gosh, the book bags, the shoes, the jackets, it was very overwhelming. And I think I had a little bit of OCD. And I don't know if it's possible, but... I had to overcome that because I could not stay on top of it all. It's virtually impossible. Yeah, I had to be okay with my house looking lived in versus better homes and gardens. Exactly. And to add to the challenges for Paula and I, because there were so many kids, at the time when when she sort of moved in, the two youngest kids, Ethan and Caleb, who were, I don't know at the time, how old they have been, five and six or something like that. They actually slept in the same bedroom I did. I had my, my big bed and two 
single beds are on the floor because they still had, I guess, issues sometimes of being apart from me. And Paul and I would sleep in the bed together with the two other boys, not that far off. Mm -hmm. And Caleb, the youngest, developed the, what do you call it, the Oedipus complex. And he was very protective of Paula. And actually, if I would go near Paula to hug her, he would push me away and tell me I can't get near her. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure that was difficult. Yeah, that was that was very difficult. But that was sort of the the way I knew that it's probably going to work because if she can go through all that and still not want to move back to her house because she still had her own home that she was renting out and li- and that she was living with me. Mm-hmm. So she had the the out. She really wanted to, but she she never went back to her house. And we stuck it out, of course, and to the challenges but as the when we, when we moved to our house that we live in now so it was a house that at the time she purchased that's when the dynamics started to change because it was no longer my house that we were living in with paula there it was now it was our house but now it's a different place and it was paula's financial abilities that got us there Mm -hmm. and the boys of course were getting older and they started to pull away from paula did they say anything as to why they were pulling away or was it just you noticed them pulling away all of a sudden when y'all moved well when we moved here in the house together that was when the parenting styles of Paul and I started to, let's say, clash. Mm-hmm. Because when we lived at the house that I rented, she gave suggestions, but let me sort of have the reign and didn't really want to make any changes on mm-hmm. how I parented. I'm the kind of parent who is, I'm not a strict disciplinarian. I am. At times, and I know this, a little bit lax. And part of that comes from when I was raising them by myself for seven years, I literally had to pick and choose what battle was most important. Right. There's no way I could keep a handle on everything. It just was impossible. I mean, I can't imagine even trying to keep up with who's on restriction. And (laughs) you'd have to have a calendar. So-and-so's on restriction from this day to this day. So, you know, I just, I can't imagine. Yeah. And I, I parented out of guilt. I would sometimes set a boundary or restriction, but I wouldn't follow through because I felt sorry or guilty that they, their mom was in their lives. And mm-hmm. why am I putting more pain on them? And that, that became a friction point. Between Paul and I, because she grew up in a household like I did, that was very strict disciplinarian. And she wanted the boys to have more boundaries and restrictions. And I wasn't the best at following through. She would come across 
as the one who was making all these rules and all the boys remember was how was how it was so carefree when dad was by himself Mm -hmm. and that set up the dynamic of them not liking paula also which i take responsibility for at the time i couldn't see it that way but that did not help the situation of them growing apart right because here they are and we went through this with our kids or david's kids i do say our kids when i combine them all but Mm -hmm. they saw the same thing things were great we got married I came in, I tried to do the structure, and you break the rules, this is the punishment. And they they didn't have that before. And a lot of it's because of the guilty parent syndrome. And a lot of it is also, like you said, there were four, and it was just David. And it was hard to constantly feel like you were just always, no, don't do that, no, don't do that. Just... There's never any positive when that's all you're doing. And I joke a lot about how when I met David, I thought that he was such a great dad. He had his kids 11 out of 14 days. They were well-mannered. And then all of a sudden, when we got married, his parenting was not up to par. Well, Mm -hmm. his parenting didn't change. I did. My perception did. Mm -hmm. And. I, too, grew up in a house that my mom was strict. You had chores every day. It didn't matter if your homework didn't get done. You had chores. And you did not push the envelope and not do the chores to see what would happen because you knew she would knock your teeth down your throat. Yeah. And David was raised pretty much the same way. So when we took the 100-plus questionnaire thing that we did before we got married, all of our answers were the same except for one. So we're thinking... We're on the same page. This is going to be good. Well, that questionnaire doesn't take into consideration blended families and guilty parent syndrome and all that stuff. Yeah. And Paula would literally come home and we would talk about this and have arguments. And when she would walk in the door, she could see, and I was a joke with her, a hundred things that were wrong Mm -hmm. and want them all to be fixed and we need to put more rules. We need more rules. We need more rules. And uh, I wasn't on board at all for all these rules. And that's where we we clashed and it pushed the kids and her further apart. Yeah, because they realized that she was the one pushing for the rules. And Correct. she was making you, for lack of a better word, parent them, which they didn't like. Yeah, they would say either, well, Paula would many times be the one who would be out front. Let's say something would happen and she would notice it. I wouldn't react right away. She would jump in and take control of the situation. And then the boys would, of course, say, oh, it's all Paula. So we tried to have it where I would would do something to react to a situation that needed a parent. But what would happen there is she'd be in the same room and, of course, she would look towards me like, hey, are you going to do something? Mm-hmm. And then I would. So it'd still be the same outcome. They knew it was coming from her and not from me. Right. And even if she wasn't in the same room, they knew because it's not how things were before she came in the picture. 
Yes, and they would talk about the good times when they could stay up till midnight eating nacho chips and drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> and Dad would would not know any better because the house we lived in it was so big you couldn't even know somebody's awake. And that was one of the reasons why. But also, probably I wouldn't even go up there because right. I'm so exhausted from working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our arguments would be heated, and unfortunately, we would argue in our bedroom, which the station never do, and the boys could hear it. And that, of course, would not add, that would add to the the splitting or the moving apart because they saw I was arguing with Paul about the discipline or how we were raising kids. They heard that and it just fed into that whole circle. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that you shouldn't argue in your bedroom. (laughs) Well, maybe it's you shouldn't. That's my own rule, I guess. (laughs) Well, I think that's a great rule. So we actually started going in the basement where it's harder for anybody to hear, to have discussions. So no little ear would hear what we're saying. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we eventually got a sound machine that we put in the hallway. That way, well, first of all, that way the noise is deadened from the outside, but they can't hear voices in the rooms. Mm -hmm. And our arguments are very far and few between probably in the last year or two. So that's gone away. But um, at the time, every, oh, probably a week or so, we would get into a heated argument about how to raise the children. Right. And did you ever feel like you had to choose between her and the kids? Always. I mean, I told her too. I mean, there were some arguments that got really down to the nitty gritty. and, And I said, if you want me to choose between you and the kids, you know what the answer is going to be. Yeah, bye bye Paula. Right. Yeah, because she would say, "You have to do this for me. You have to, whatever she was saying, how to do. Follow this rule or follow through on what you're going to say you're going to do, and don't back down on it. Or I can't live here." She would say that many times. I just can't live in this household because I don't feel like it's my house. Right. And and so, did you feel like she was making you feel less of a man? With those comments, almost like demasculating you? Yes. It it felt like a personal attack on my parenting skills. And yeah, that I that I am not the man I could be. Yeah, I would say that. I, I and I would threaten, we would both do it. It would come down and say, Well, how about I just take the kids and we live somewhere else? Or she'd say, you know, I'm just gonna move out and go live somewhere else because she can't. Be there, and she even talked about a time buying a house in a city near us that she could, you know, remove herself to and just have her me time. Right. So, not necessarily y'all split up, but right. li- live separately so she wouldn't have to deal with the stress of being in the house with all these kids. That's right. And the trigger for me is my background with my mom. Although she raised me, my father passed away when I was nine months old she didn't do well which i'm not saying she should but she was very very depressed for probably two or three years as i was a toddler so she was there physically but she wasn't there mentally Mm -hmm. and i i have abandonment issues from that when paula would say things like she wanted to leave well that would immediately send me to that place in my head where my anxiety would go up She's going to leave me forever. 
you know, why is this happening? And it would just spiral out of control. You know, I was writing something the other day about not using the word divorce flippantly. And Mm. one of the things that David and I agreed on right when we started doing the nacho thing was divorce isn't an option. This is going to work come hell or high water. And by taking that statement, when we did have a disagreement, it didn't seem so life-changing or so potentially life-changing. Whereas before, if we got in a fight, I'm thinking, oh, great, we're going to get divorced. I've got to find somewhere to live. I sold my house, which I wish I'd never done. My kid's going to have to go to a different school. All this stuff would spiral in my head. And it was so unhealthy for our relationship. And the kids hearing, well, we'll just split up. That gave them hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it also made them think that relationships were disposable. And once we came to that point that divorce isn't an option, I mean, not that we went crazy and did things of, oh, you can't divorce me because we agreed. But when we would have an argument, I didn't have that spiraling effect in my mind Because I viewed it as what it was. It was an argument. It wasn't the end of our relationship. Yeah, that's true. It's a good way to look at it. And that's how we are now as far as we're in it for the long haul. We got married. Think about this. Well, we married three years now. October 3rd was our third year of actually being married, even though we're together longer than that. When we would get in these arguments, Paula would would say about leaving. We never used the word divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have ever. No. Which I guess is a good thing. Yes. But she would say, you know, your kids are trying to, they're trying to split us up. They want me to leave. You know, that's their, their mode. They're going to get rid of me. Like I got rid of babysitters. Like I got rid of everybody else. That's what they're doing. And I would say, no, they're not. They're not doing that. I wasn't, I was sort of blind to that. They weren't consciously thinking that, but subconsciously they would think, well, if it's just dad and us, we're back to normal. We're back to free will and do whatever you want in the household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my stepkids, it was consciously trying to get rid of me. <laughs> One of them would call and say, has she left yet? Oh, boy. Yeah. Before he would come back for visitation. <laughs> but wow. what's funny is he's one of the ones I have the best relationships with now. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. No, they never said that. Not that I know of. Because I, I would always try to tell the boys all the good things that Paula is doing because she has her strengths and I have my strengths. And hers is the finances and organizing the house, planning for Christmas and birthdays because there's so many, making sure we have enough money for clothing. Because when you go clothing shopping with seven boys, it's crazy. And all the, you know, all the good points because all they saw was he was disciplinarian and and that's where the difficulty was but we went to therapy her and i because we you know we had we had a really bad spot there and part one of the things the therapist said is about the rules you can't have so many Mm -hmm. so we they we she asked paula what are the three things that are most important to you 
that every day, Robert, which is me, can help you achieve to make your life better. So it was no dishes in the sink, uh, making sure that the chores were done and that the house is relatively clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and since we've gone to that, where she, she lets go of some of the other things, it's been better. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, how in the world do you not have any dishes in the sink with seven kids? Because I know one of my biggest things was no dishes in the sink. (laughs) And I would do the dishes or David would do the dishes. All the dishes were clean. You would honestly go to the bathroom and come back and there were dirty dishes in the sink. It was. Did did, Did you have a dishwasher? Yeah, but we needed three of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, even cooking dinner with that many people, it does not all fit in the dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, typically, even now with there's only two boys left here because the other two in college most of the time, we usually have to unload and load still twice a day. Mm -hmm. And then when I have... Some come over and they make dinner and it's seven of us or at 10 of us. Then it's, you're right. The, the dishes are still in the sink and you're in dishwasher. Right. And David's kids, it would be funny when they would have to do dishes. They would unload and load the dishwasher, but anything else just got left in the sink. And I'm thinking, well, no. When <laughs> I was growing up, you did every single dirty dish when it was your turn to do dishes. And But no, that wasn't part of how David thought things should be done. So again, it was one of those things of you got to let it go, Lori, either do it yourself or let it go. And when I say do it yourself, that means do it yourself without throwing things and slamming cabinets. (laughs) And (laughs) well, there was also a time where sometimes Paula would watch one of the kids load the dishwasher and they probably weren't doing as good of a job as they could do as far as, maximizing the space and making sure it's facing the right way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she'd want to jump in and show them that. And privately, I would tell her, look, he's doing a chore. Let's not comment on how good the chore is being done. Let's just have the, the happiness that he's doing a chore. And then as we go further, maybe we can talk about how to do it differently. Right. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is if a child vacuums and they don't vacuum like you think they should is to go behind them and do it in front of them because they're thinking, I can't do it right, so why bother? And it doesn't help their self-confidence any. But also, I know from Paula's viewpoint, because I live this, you're thinking, what's the point of them doing loading the dishwasher if they're stacking everything on top of each other and it's not going to get clean. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's what she would say. It's not going to get clean dry. Well, you got to change it. Mm-hmm. And I would tell her, if you're going to change it, wait till they're completely out of the house or upstairs. And if you want to rearrange it, go ahead, but don't do it in front of them. Right. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's times and opportunities to show them how to do it differently later. Without the criticism or feeling like they're being criticized. I remember with one of David's kids, I said, 
maybe you should explain to him how a dishwasher works. And so he did. You know, this little thing spins, and if you've got stuff on top of each other, it's not going to get clean. And they were like, oh, they just thought if it was in the dishwasher, it would get clean. Right. That's the magic. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. I was at a friend's house, golly, several months ago, and I was helping her pick up some stuff in her house, and she has got an immaculate house. And I opened her dishwasher, and she had bowls facing towards the door. And I said, mm. you do realize those don't get clean, right? And she's 40-something <laughs> years old. She's like, no. I said, well, let's think about this. And I went through the process of how the water goes through <laughs> the dishwasher, and she's like, oh, my God. I said, yep, you've been eating off nasty bowls, girl. <laughs> <laughs> She said, I never thought about it. But now she probably cusses me every time she loads her dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, and Paula, I mean, I'm a fairly clean person, but she's at a different level. She sees things that I don't see. Mm-hmm. I can walk into the kitchen. To me, it looks relatively clean. I don't see much. And then she'd walk in and she would complain. Well, I got I can't even make my own food because I have to take everything off the counter and sanitize it. And and make it clean. I'm like, what do you do? I don't see anything, but there'd be a little dust spot. And so that's a different view of of what clean is that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're thinking, I don't see rats running around. I don't see dirt piled up. It's good. And she's thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh, those kids, especially boys, I saw him pick his nose and stick his hand in that bread bag. <laughs> that's exactly what she would say. I know. I had my own bread. I had my own bread. If I saw them eating potato chips, I would not eat out of that bag because I knew they'd stuck their hands in it. Paula has her own food area. And we recently, two years ago, got a a refrigerator, a new one in the house. We took the old one, put it in the garage. And that's basically Paula's food out there. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Yeah. And it solves so many problems. It does. See, when when she met me, I had no boundaries. What was mine was the kids. It was all blended. I didn't care. If I was eating food, they could sometimes really take it out of my mouth and eat it afterwards. Or if I owned something, I would let them use it. Mm-hmm. And by her being in my life, she helped me set the boundaries again that, hey, adults can have their own things. They have their own time. They can be nice things, and you shouldn't always share with the kids because they might destroy it. Right. And I was so used to the other way, it, it took quite a while for me to get to that spot of knowing how to be a, an adult who has his own life and do, does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's helped, helped that. And it's hard because she doesn't have kids. And that changes things so much because I know with my son, I didn't care if he ate, quote, quote, my food. But if the stepkids did, oh, it was completely different. (laughs) And so with her, she's thinking, no, that's mine. And it's not selfish. It's just, I don't want to say it is what it is because I hate that phrase, but she's just not used to that sharing. And I remember David sharing drinks with his kids. I love my son, but I do not share drinks with him. (laughs) Maybe if I was in the desert dying. Yeah. And I'm also really (laughs) big on don't double dip. 
<laughs> and everybody laughs at me. And I'm like, no, it's- do you realize there's bacteria on your teeth? And you're taking yeah. a bite of whatever and sticking it back in there. And people think I'm crazy. No, I'm not. Uh-uh. I just won't eat it. <laughs> no, I agree with that. And all those things she had to come to grips with some way. And we've uh, learned how to separate it. So she has still more of her own space, mm-hmm. which is why when some of the b- older boys have moved out, that we took the one bedroom and turned it into the yoga room for her. Oh. Yeah. So it's, that's where I'm at actually right now. It's her, her respite where she can watch TV, do yoga, relax. And it has the whole female look to it and well styled and lets her uh, have her own space. And that's so important. We were actually talking to a lady in the Nacho Kids Academy last night. And she said, when I come home on Fridays, I don't want to watch cartoons. I don't want to have to sit in the chair that I don't like because the stepkid is in my chair. And I said, you really need your own space, even if it's just a chair in your bedroom that you're comfortable in. We all need that space. Yeah, I didn't understand that for the longest time because I was so used to everything is everybody's come and go as you please. and. And kids walk in the doors. We actually, when we first moved here, have a lock on our bedroom door mm-hmm. that you can open up from the outside with a, a key, a button pad. And I thought first, what? you're crazy. What's going on with this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. why are we locking people out of the bedroom? But you, you need your privacy and you don't want kids just barging in at the wrong times. Well, not just that, but... Especially with it being all boys, she -hmm. probably doesn't want them to, you know, see her underwear or feminine products or things like that. When we first met and we, I lived in the house that I was renting, the boys would eat so much food. We had a little pantry. I would come home with groceries, put the groceries out, and it would be ravenous dogs go to that pantry and. They would devour the snacks. Mm-hmm. When Paula came to my life, she suggested that we put a lock on that door, not in the sense that they can't get it in there, but to at least control that they don't all go in there and just eat everything at once. Because it was so we would take a certain portion, put it out where they could get it, mm-hmm. and then all the extras put in this locked pantry, knowing that in a day or two they're gonna go through the the supplies out front, but that way at least they don't do it all in one day. Mm-hmm. And that was her good suggestion of keeping it separated. Did they give pushback with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> She's not letting us eat. Yeah. And it, it just comes in the end that I was way too lenient by myself, of course. And it was just setting up normal boundaries. That's what it was normal boundaries. And all could think of, well, dad was there. We could do this and this. We could go across the street to the, we had a little convenience store right across the street. We could buy ourselves a fresh Mountain Dew and bag of chips. And sometimes the owner wouldn't even charge me right away. I'd come back later and pay for it and go upstairs mm-hmm. and play video games to all hours. And dad would not say a word. And then comes Paula. <laughs> and then comes Paula, right? 
Mm-hmm. She ruined their lives. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. That's how it was. Well, I really hate that they're pulling back from her. One thing that David did to help build or rebuild my relationship with his kids was simple things. He would go to the Dollar General to get something, and he would get them all a candy bar. And he would bring it back and tell me to give it to him. And he Mm. said, tell the kids you got them this. I'm like, but I didn't get them that. I'm not going to lie. He's like, oh, my gosh. I'm giving it to you. You give it to them. And so I would say, hey, y'all come down. We got y'all a candy bar. But it was me giving it to them. Right. And just little things like that. For example, when we would have the cereal that they liked, he'd say, Oh, thank you, Lori, for getting the cereal that we all like and things like that to kind of rebuild that relationship because we were in a very damaged place. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes time, but, you know, you and Paula are in a great relationship. Y'all have been through so much. And the relationship that she has now that is a struggle with the stepkids, it's not going to always be that way. Yeah, I hear you. With the, with the getting little things for the kids, she actually has done well with that. And believe it or not, when she gets them things, sometimes they won't accept it just because it comes from her. It's sort of the reverse. She, an example is she bought everyone new pillows, the boys, because the other pillows were, I don't know, old and drool marks and getting old and ratty. Mm-hmm. And she gave it to them, and they ended up keeping their old pillows and not using new pillows. And she became very offended mm-hmm. that she went out of her way to do this. They're these ungrateful heathens. Why are they not accepting her gifts or mm-hmm. her, her? And she's done more than just that. And so now, actually, so they accept things. She might, she still, she does all these wonderful things and gets things. And what she tells me, just you give it to them. That way they'll accept them. Yeah. They're um, apparently still in a rough place right now to where they just don't want anything to do with her. And the best thing that everybody can do is just let things work out. Don't push the relationship. Let Paula buy them what she wants to, and you give it to them, and you know, for the time being, right? But again, things will start shifting, and it may take a month, it may take two years. And then, once you see things shifting a little bit, try to let them know that she did do something for them. You know what I'm saying? Yes, now I do that now with being an advocate for Paula because. If we go to a, like this last year, she got a, um, we were going to take our motor home and go to the beach for a week. Just the boys and I driving down there, it developed a radiator leak and I couldn't use it. And she went on line, found us a Airbnb. And without really a skip, we made it to the beach that same night, got in the Airbnb all because of Paula. Cause she's great at doing that stuff. So whenever I can, I, let them know this is possible because of what Paula did Mm -hmm. to show them that she's doing these things. Sometimes it's behind the scenes. Sometimes the reason 
we can go out and you can each spend $200 on clothes because Paulo's going to put money behind every week just for clothes. So it makes it easy. Yeah. And, you know, things will change. They definitely will change over time. How long has it been since y'all moved to the new house and they started pulling back? So we moved here in 2015. It's six years. And they started pulling it back probably a year after we moved. So they've been pulling back for a while. Yeah. Now I have noticed in the last six months to a year, Paula has not been as worried or involved with the boys and their discipline and what they should or shouldn't do. And that's, she's been letting me do all of that for now. Mm-hmm. And then maybe give me some guidance privately. And they've started to come around more, at least what I've seen. And I think she said it too, where they will randomly talk with her downstairs when I'm not there and just talk about things about life, about school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, do, I do see it improving. Yeah, because they don't feel her or they don't see her trying to control things in the house. And she's not trying to make sure that they have responsibilities and repercussions if they don't do their chores and all that. She's leaving that up to you. So that target is moving off of her back. Yes, definitely. That's been a big, a big change, a big help. And that will definitely help the relationship. And again, it'll take time because they've got to see that she's not going to switch back into evil stepmom. Yeah, and she and she's been doing her own work even before Nacho. She would do other Facebook groups about step parenting and and on her own trying to change her perception of things in the household and being less stringent and more accepting of let's say dirt or sometimes the noise that boys can noise you know boys can make not knowing oh, they're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like a herd of yeah, elephants. Up and down the steps. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's funny. I was thinking one day that I missed the stepkids, and then one of them came back on, you know, like a leave from the Air Force for vacation or whatever it was. And the first night, I hear boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, <laughs> I did not miss that. They walk like they weigh a 1,000 pounds. Yeah. And then they jump. From like the third step to the bottom. <laughs> and they're 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what happens at this house. Yeah. And again, her going from not having any kids, it's like going from a library to a Metallica concert. Oh, yeah. And she has her own little set ways. and She knows it. So it was, it was a big change for her mm-hmm. to come to this household. Mm-hmm. She's just trying to gain a little bit of that back. And it'll come back. First of all, they've seen that she's been there for seven years. She's not mm-hmm. leaving. So eventually, they'll realize she's not going anywhere. She's not going to up and leave us. And plus, I'm looking back at the ages, you've got a lot of teenagers. Yes. And, and teenagers don't like anybody. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, right now, they're all trying to be independent. Mm-hmm. You've got a set of twins? No. Okay. I see Biosun 22, Biosun 22. Oh, that's my fault then. 
That should be Biosun, I think, 22. That one should be 20. I, yeah, that's my error. <laughs> I don't know the how close, you keep up with it, man. <laughs> yeah, the closest any of them are are 18 months apart. We've all, we already done this math. So I know with my dad and my mom, they had three girls total, and they constantly got our names confused. Do you do that with <laughs> all these kids that you have? Sometimes I will. For the most part, I'm not. But there's sometimes where if I'm a little bit heated, I will call them the wrong name. That happens. That's when it was, when my parents would get <laughs> mad. They'd be like, darn it, Courtney, Don, Lori, whoever you are. <laughs> yeah. Or even if I just, in passing, see one of them in the kitchen, for whatever reason, I'll call them a different name because I'm thinking of that other kid or it reminds me of the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. Well, let me ask you this. In hindsight, what do you think that you and Paula could have done differently in the beginning to not have some of the struggles and issues that you've had? Probably talked more about our parenting styles up front and figuring out how to blend them together from day one. Instead of just uh, trying to change from not a lot of discipline to a lot of discipline and not really talking about it. Right. And I think it would have been good too, not just in your situation, but in pretty much every blended situation, is if those changes started happening prior to the stepmom moving in the house. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. Because they, they, the kids see it's stepmom discipline. They go together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I remember with my son, there were things that he did when it was just me and him that I wanted to break him of before David and I got married because I didn't want him to relate the change to David. Yeah, that makes sense. Because step parents already have a target on their back. They really do. Disney put it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Paul used to say, "Look, I, I don't ever get a break. There is no going to the the mom's house. You know, I, I have friends, and every other weekend I, they get a three day break or a two day break in the summertime. They get a two week break. I don't ever get a break. Why don't I ever get a break? Why doesn't their mom take them?" And I said, "Do you really want that to happen? Because." I don't think they would last more than a couple hours with her because of her challenges of just keeping herself alive, much less the other ones. But, but she just wanted some small break. Yeah. And it's hard, especially when you're slap in the middle of it to even think that them going to moms for one day, every two weeks would actually make things harder in some ways. Because we noticed that when Visitation changed from 11 out of 14 days for David and went to 50-50. Our mm-hmm. blend was so much harder because one week they had responsibilities, one week they didn't. Versus three days they didn't have responsibility and 11 they did. That'd be a big, big change. Yeah. And Paul remembers when their mom would come around, which is still sporadic, it would turn the boys into a frenzy because mm-hmm. 
she would say, I'm coming on Sunday. I'm going to be there at 11 a.m., just an example. And then it'd be 4 p.m., no mom still showed up. The seven boys are absolutely going berserk because they're thinking, why is she coming? I never see her. So much anticipation. She promises the world. She shows up at 8 o'clock at night. Once take them out for pizza, soda, and ice cream. I come in and say, you got to have them back by 9.30 because tomorrow's school. And Paula witnessed that. And then for the next at least two weeks, it would be complete chaos because of their feelings, what has just happened. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's one of those things of if you weigh it out, maybe Paula just needs a girls weekend once every three or four months. <laughs> yeah. And what she's been doing, she has a, a camper and she has been doing short little camping trips during the spring and summer and fall. And she does things with her girl groups and yoga groups to, again, have her own time away. And that's good. Do you feel like that you tried to push her to be mom to them or that you were trying to push her back from being mom to them? It's good you brought that up. I, I did want her to be the mother. And I, I would get very angry with her when I felt she didn't want to be the mother because they had no mother. Mm-hmm. And so my, my, one of the reasons why I picked Paula in the beginning was she's going to replace the mom that's not going to be there. And when she would say, you know, I didn't have these kids, I don't have the same connection. And I would become very, very angry and upset because I wanted her to, to replace the mom. Mm-hmm. And that, that became a, a contention of, of me thinking, well, oh, second female in her life is going to abandon her, abandon them too. Now it's two women in a row who don't have anything with, to do with the kids. Right. So how did you get over that? Or have you gotten over that? <sighs> I am in a better place with that. I still feel the pain because as you said, it's a graduation or a birthday or, or something that reminds me that their mom should be there. And she isn't Paula is there, but it's because of them and her, they're not as close as I would like them to be. I mean, honestly, that's where it would be, but I realize the best we can do right now is what we have where They get along. We can do some family activities together. She does her thing for the family very well. I balance it out with what I'm good at with the the kids. Mm -hmm. And for now, this is what we can hope for. And as as you suggested, as we go farther and the kids become older and realize how much she actually has done, has been great for the whole family, and she actually does love them. It'll get better. Yes, it will. I can't wait to see the relationships that she ends up having with these kids in five, ten years. Yeah, even some of the ones that are out of the house, Zach, who's my second oldest from the seven, recently has gone through some struggles, and I had to help him move to a new place, and he's trying to find a new job, and 
we were talking last night and he realizes how much Paula has done. And he said, you know, I, I really need to get to know Paula better because she's done so much. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I told Paula that, of course. And she said, yeah, no, I've always had a, a soft spot for Zach. And so she, she enjoys hearing those little tidbits when the kids say something. Yeah. And also it'll have an influence on the other kids. They'll think, oh, well, Zach loves her dearly. And it'll just kind of influence them to be more open to her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gabe, he's the old. So when we finally moved to the house together, there was four, Gabe, Stephen, Ethan, and Caleb. And Gabe is the oldest. He was, the, of course, the ringleader. And his reaction to Paula set the wheels in motion for the rest to follow. So mm-hmm. He's the one who sort of became negative because he, he rationalizes everything. It's all Mr. Logic. And, and he nitpicked as to the things that Paula likes. She likes crystals. She likes essential oils. And, and he would sort of talk bad about that, not in front of me, but to his brothers. And of course, they feed into that. They go, oh, yeah, you're right. And, and they sort of all jump the bandwagon of not accepting her as much. That was definitely a, a not a good thing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Branson was the ringleader of let's burn Lori at the stake and get her out of the house. And once his views changed, it definitely helped change the views of the others because he wasn't dishing that negativity out to them. Yeah, Gabe's in his third year of college and he's not been home that much. And he and I had a big discussion about this because I knew he was ringleader. And we came to an agreement where I said, you know, you may not agree with what Paula likes or doesn't like or her views but i need you to always be respectful and communicate with her and acknowledge her when you're in her presence and he's always been doing that since then Mm -hmm. so i think that's at a better place and that has a that has helped some of the other boys come along yeah and then when when gabe left and it was steven he was now the oldest in the household he's a, a very unique young man who can see deeply how things work in life just generally. And he accepted Paula more and started having long conversations with her. And then I think the kids see that the two younger ones and that also has helped mm-hmm. some of that come back closer. Yeah. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being a guest on our podcast. And I am so thankful that Paula was crazy enough to come into your house with all these kids and that y'all have made the progress you've made. Yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was it was good to talk about this and makes me realize how far we've actually come. It's easy to forget how far you've actually came. And it's important to remember because that's what gives you hope for the future. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again. And I'm going to make a note because we're going to have you and Paula back in a couple of years. We'd love to do that. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Follow up. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. Unfortunately, I had to bring David back to wrap up. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) y'all. Oh, I've got some news. What is it, Lori? Oh, thank you for asking, David. <laughs> David, you Make and I are going to... F- what? Make your, first, you tell me to be quiet, 
Now you want me to speak up. I'm so confused. You stay in a state of confusion. <laughs> okay. I've got some news. What's the news, what? Lori? Good job, David. <laughs> Next year, April, the 29th and 30th, you and I are going to be in Fort Worth, Texas. Doing what? Don't say it like that. Doing what, darling? <laughs> we are going to be speaking at a couple's event with Laura Petherbridge. Ain't that just hunky-dory? It is, it is. Call her Lori. Don't call Laura Lori. <laughs> Calling you Lori Goofy. Okay, he says that because people will say, hey, how you doing? And I'll say, hunky-dory, just call me Lori. Because you know I'm funny like that. All so right. anyway, we're very excited to finally be doing another event. Yep. I'm excited to be sharing a stage with my lovely wife. You're also going to be on the men's panel. I love being on the panel. David, what is wrong with you today? Is that what? turkey still messing with you? <laughs> I'm bloated. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> Well, David really is excited. I'll just speak for him. I'm excited in this thing I didn't know I was going to be doing. You didn't need to know until just now. <laughs> uh, so what am I doing now? I'm on I'll a men's you, I'll panel. I'll tell you again later. You'll tell me later. <laughs> in fact, well, you know what? I'll have Laura call you and tell you because I'm going to let her deal with you. Good, because I miss Laura. I know. I miss her too. I hadn't talked to her in a Wow, a week or so. I need to reach out to her and have her call you. You do that. I'm going to. She's going to call you in a little bit. Don't think I'm not going to do it. That's fine. She'll probably ask me how in the world I deal with you. David. What? She won't ask you that because she loves me. If she knows you at all, she'll ask me that. She all knows right, how folks. challenging it is. You know what, David? All of our listeners know who has the challenge in this relationship, and it is not me. I mean, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> <laughs> that was just a mix-up of words, folks. Nope. That was just a mix-up of words. That was not a mix-up of words. That was your brain telling you <laughs> the accurate answer first. No. No, David. That was just me getting tongue-tied. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm done. Are you? Yeah, you have just uh, drained me doing this. Okay. All right, so wrap it up, David. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Wrap it up, darling. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show for today. We hope you enjoy listening as much as Lori enjoyed recording with me. <laughs> and how much Lori's going to enjoy editing this mess. <laughs> Join us next week when... We all get to hear Lori's frustration even more. Are you already planning on to aggravate me next week? I don't know. You plan on it. Plan on what? Thanks, folks. And again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you ain't hungry because I ain't cooking. All right, folks. Thanks for listening today. Join us back here next week. When David annoys Lori again. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Anyhow. I don't know why you want to be that way. Fortune telling aunt you. <laughs> you butt pusher. I don't know why you want to be that way. 
<laughs> All right, folks. Thanks again for listening. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.